Hi there, House Culture listener. If you enjoy this episode or have enjoyed listening to other episodes in our series, please support and donate to us through the Acast Supporter feature. All donations will help us create the content that you love listening to. You can decide how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So it could be a one-off and every now and then or once every time you listen. It's really up to you. Click on the supporter link in the episode description and with Google or Apple Pay, it will take you less than 30 seconds to make your contribution. I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey guys, I'm Andrea Oliva and you're listening to the House Culture Podcast. House Culture Hello everybody and welcome to another episode in the third season of the House Culture Podcast hosted by me, the Managing Editor at House Culture, Matt Rouse. I hope that you are safe and well wherever you are listening in the world right now. I also hope that you might have even been lucky enough to get out there and party over the past few weeks. It's certainly a good feeling getting back on the dance floor and if you haven't quite been able to yet, stay strong, your time will come. If you're a regular listener, thanks for tuning in. If it's your first time here, welcome. We are House Culture, a collective of house music fans who have come together through their mutual love of the beat to celebrate the spirit of house music. If you prefer your dose of the dance floor in daily portions, then come on over to our Instagram at housecultureNet where you can soak up the vibes and connect with other beat lovers from across the globe. Now, right here on the monthly podcast, we chat to icons of the scene who all have a fascinating story to tell. I'm talking about people like Fatboy Slim, David Morales, Danny Tanaglia and Harry Romero, as well as leaders of the new school of talent such as Alan Fitzpatrick, Josh Butler, Sidney Charles and the Picard brothers. So make sure you dig through our back catalogue of episodes if you haven't done so already. Now, let's get on with this one, shall we? In this episode... We talk to an artist and DJ who has presided over one of the biggest parties in Ibiza for nearly a decade in answer Ashwaya. He's played all over the world alongside the biggest names in the game. He has also recently launched his own All I Need empire, which includes music, fashion and events. I am, of course, talking about Andrea Oliva. 
in our conversation you'll hear Andrea talk about his own sound. You always need to um, have a certain trademark in your sound. Mine, I would define it as always having a certain groove, but you know, like it's a, it's a constant evolution. What he tries to achieve is iconic Ants residency at Ushuaia in Ibiza. You know what's working at Ushuaia. Sometimes I throw in some all-time classics and they love it and, and they give them a moment to go back where they come from and tell their friends, oh, and then he played Knights of the Jaguar and the place was freaking out. And they have people telling me, oh, I was in Adushuaya 10, 9, 8 years ago and you played that track, it really changed my life. And how he approaches his DJ life with a humble attitude and an appreciation of the scene. That's why I'm seeing all of this pretty relaxed. I'm just thankful and I appreciate every second I can be in the house culture world and I try to make the best out of it and enjoy it. This one was recorded live and direct from his base in Ibiza. I hope you enjoy it. This is Andrea Oliva. culture. Hi Andrea, thank you so much for finding the time to sit down with us in your hectic schedule on the House Culture podcast today. You're a DJ, producer, lord of the underground and king of ants in Ibiza. You've also got an extremely exciting project on the horizon called All I Need. But before we get stuck into all of that, we want to start at the beginning of your journey and find out when you were growing up in Switzerland, what kind of music were you into and how did you first discover house music and electronic beats? Well, first of all, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. You're welcome. Yeah, looking back, uh, I was, and I still am, totally into different kind of music. So if it's funk, all of these like indie bands, electronica, house, techno, I, I, I hip-hop, I really find um, in all kinds of music something which touches me, you know. I think music is, um, uh, is something which uh, gives you certain emotions and that's why I created the, uh, my brand All I Need because for me personally, all I need is music, basically, <laughs> you know. And, and I don't need techno all the time. So, you know, I, I, I listen to chill out and it, it depends on the mood. You know? So so growing up, I was listening to Wu-Tang, Nas, A Tribe Called Quest, uh, Nirvana. And then I, w- I was like 12, 13. Mm-hmm. And my uh, my uncle back then, he uh, used to produce a trance and ambient sound. And, and every Sunday when I went um, uh, to see my grandparents with my parents, he would take me to his studio and, um, you know, I would see him producing this kind of music, which totally blew my mind because, you know, it was everything so new, mm-hmm. the, the melodies, the synthesizers, then the banging beats. And this is how I really, I, I got into electronic music through my uncle. Okay. Bless him. <laughs> <laughs> and you say that was, how old were you then? Like you said, about 12 or 13. 12 or 13. Wow. And then back in the village, I... Uh, and by the way, I still live there. Um, it's a, a place called Merlin next to Basel, Switzerland. Um, very small village. Like it's me and 8,000 cows living there. <laughs> yeah, no, it's beautiful. And um, uh, two of my, uh, of my older friends, mm-hmm. um, they were teaching back then. And uh, there was like a, a, a youth center. 
where all the kids were hanging out uh, once a week um, and they had turntables and they were mixing records. And this is how, um, how it started with my DJ obsession. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole art uh, of DJing was like as fascinating as the music itself. Mm-hmm. And then they, they learned me how to, uh, you know, how to pitch the records, how to mix and, you know, and then I was watching a lot of videos of Carl Cox back then <laughs> and Sven Vett. And mm-hmm. there was a guy who did the live back then. His name was Cosmic Baby. Yeah. And since then, I'm, I lost my mind. Absolutely. Yeah. To take that inspiration. And then I suppose it was like, okay, I've got to get some decks and may like start practicing myself and did that at any stage at that point was it just a hobby or was it like no this is what this is what I want my life to be you know what um for me when I um, learned the art of teaching turntables and the mixer was the same like my friends back then were learning to play guitar so I pretty much saw the whole setup the whole equipment uh, to DJ uh, more as an instrument Mm-hmm. So um, uh, and 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 um, uh, from the beginning, I was I was more focused on learning the craft, you know, learning uh, mm-hmm. the technique and everything, and um, uh, same as you learn an instrument. And because if you if you like guitars or or basses or whatever or drums, um, you don't want to become the next Jimi Hendrix. You just want to learn how to play. Uh-huh. You don't want to make a career out of it. You just want to play maybe for meditation reasons, maybe just to uh, um, turn off uh, your uh, struggle during the day and just play music. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know, you know, you can make out, you can make a career out of it or something. Yeah. It was actually just learning how to mix and creating a certain vibe when you mix two records together. Yeah. But the goal was never to become like... Uh, international touring dj and producer and all of that no i mean from humble beginnings it's you know it's amazing you can you know you've made a life out of that passion to begin with and you know you mentioned it was down at the youth club so i suppose that you weren't even old enough to get into a club or anything like that was there ever a moment where you were getting gigs or getting so talented that you were getting gigs that you might have been playing in clubs before you're even legally old enough to get in there how did that how did that work so many stories on (laughs) on that topic um uh, you know i was uh, i was super young Mm -hmm. and i remember my mom um told my uh, older friends okay he can come and practice with you but at 8 p.m he has to be at home 7 p.m yes they would they would uh, pick me up. I would go uh, to the to, to the youth club, and they would we would practice, and then they would drive me home. <laughs> and um, uh, like first gigs, I remember like one of my uh, friend Michel, yeah, the, the the one of the two DJs who learned uh, me everything, like who teach me everything. Um, uh, he was hiding underneath the DJ booth. That was my first gig. And uh, we had like two headphones. He had a headphone, I had a headphone. And he would give me signs from underneath the booth. I was looking down and he was like, okay, uh, now you can mix, now it fits, now now the pitch is correct. Like, now you can mix, okay, go. You know, like, it was very funny. And I was like maybe 13. Wow. And um, I was resident in a club. I was like 14, 15 and the club was like uh, 21. Yeah. You know, get in. And, uh, but my parents, 
you know, I would go play the intro and then I would go home. Mm -hmm. And uh, they would see, they always supported me like crazy. And of course, at one stage of my journey, they were like, okay, you really, we're going to support this, but you know, school and you have to learn a job and mm -hmm. all proper things. They were really open minded. Mm -hmm. So um, my, my first gigs, I was re resident at a club called Terminus in, in Switzerland, which was quite, um, was one of the best clubs back then. And I played in, I played before um, uh, Tony Humphreys mm -hmm. and uh, David Morales and all of those guys. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was like 14, 15. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, funny. I mean, and I suppose it's that ignorance of youth as well. Was that that wasn't necessarily daunting at that age? It was just something you were just doing, or were you a bit frightened by it? These guys, these legends that you were warming up for. You know what? It was a blessing because um, uh, this is how I learned to properly uh, play an intro, to properly build up a night. To um, uh, uh, I, I've learned um, the respect of playing before. Um, uh, an international artist mm -hmm. and then I was very lucky enough to start working in a record distribution when I was 16, mm -hmm. 16, 17 and then and from that point on um, all of those international artists they uh, they had a lot of respect for me because I played all the promos and they, <laughs> and they were like what why do you have all those records and, <laughs> yeah that was good times yeah and you know even then having you know back then when you're playing all of vinyl as well if you've got those promos on vinyl that's like the real cachet yeah no doubt look it it um uh, i don't know um, how to compare it but it was it was a bit like the stock market you mm -hmm. know the when you know getting records was like if you go like if you have like i don't know it was so crazy the run on those promos the run on 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 releases I was 16 and, and I would order um, uh, records in order to sell to record stores um, uh, from all over the world. Mm -hmm. uh, this is how I learned uh, so many different languages and it really, it, it really marked uh, um, my, my future, you can say. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, I was going to say that's, that must have been critical in your development as a DJ in terms of finding your own sound and your own passion for what you enjoyed and having access to all of that and being able to really hone it from everything that you're being sent. Yes, and I'm still struggling with that because <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm finding my sound because, um, uh, you know, the mistake you don't want to do when you're um, touring artist and, 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 and the producer is that you jump on um, uh, hype trends, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and every year you jump on a different genre because this is hype and then you want to make the best out of it. I think you always need to um, have like a, a certain trademark in your sound. Mine, I would uh, define it as um, always having a certain groove. Mm -hmm. But uh, you also have to be careful when you build a certain fan base. You can't go left and right because uh, you're going to, you know, it's a bit of a... a the fan base in our scene uh, is a bit like a, um, uh, like a football club fan base, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh, everybody's rooting for uh, freaking, uh, I don't know, um, this guy. And oh, you like, um, I don't know, Ben Clock, you can't like uh, Black Coffee because this, you know, like insane 
kind of philosophies, um, which I don't, um, uh, I don't share this kind mm -hmm. of philosophy. But yeah, um, sometimes I, I like to play more, more, more techno stuff. Then I like to play more organic, um, rhythmic stuff. And mm -hmm. so this is my dilemma. You know? <laughs> but but you know, like it's a it's a constant evolution. Yeah. And yeah. Um, uh, if I if I listen to 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 music I, re I released like 10, 12 years ago, I would, now I would say, I would, why, you know, just why, why did I release this? But <laughs> back then I wasn't into this kind of music now. Yeah, I, no, that's, it's constantly evolving is the best way to put it, I think. Yeah, don't get yourselves, yourself caught up in, okay, this is, this is where I am and this is where I'm going to stay. And if you're listening to stuff that's 10 or 11 years old and you're kind of like, oh, wow, I'm glad I've, moved on from there instead of listening back to it and saying oh, i want to try and recapture that you know that's a good place to be isn't it look it's the same it's the same like you look at a picture of you of yours uh, 15 years ago and say why did i dress like this you know <laughs> so uh, i would never again dress like this oh my hair got horrible yeah, so you yeah. know it's like evolution absolutely and you know going back to your time in Switzerland, obviously, you're playing out. You're, you know, you've learned how to to warm up, which is, you know, an incredibly hard job to do, and to do it well is, you know, it's the sign of a brilliant DJ, someone that can do that, and you know, mm -hmm. bring on mm -hmm. that night, and you know, be selfless in terms of making the headliner all comfortable and everything like that. I mean, during that period as well in Switzerland, there's quite a good batch of artists and producers that have all come out of there all of a similar time i mean did you were you playing around in clubs with these guys and did you get a feeling that you were part of a movement at that time and there we go with a very interesting question <laughs> and with, with a, a even more interesting answer because um uh, i don't know if it's um a uh, cultural thing mm -hmm. but um uh, in switzerland pretty much everybody minds his own business, mm -hmm. if I can be politically correct. So um, uh, um, uh, you really have to prove yourself by yourself, <laughs> if, yeah. I can, if I can tell you that. And um, uh, of course, like uh, with local artists and with friends, you, uh, you supported each other throughout the years, but those who came out, those who were lucky, and and you know made the career out of it they all out of switzerland they all built their careers individually mm -hmm. you know so um of course after a few years a lot of years i uh, was supported by luciano and he's also from switzerland and uh, he was a very big career booster for me because he put me basically on the map mm -hmm. you know um, for uh, so many uh, artists and, and, and promoters um, but yeah you know if, if you like people people think like oh you're from Switzerland such a small country and um, who's from Switzerland and when I when I list the artists from Switzerland they freak out I yeah um, Rickerton uh, Luciano uh, Adriatic Jamie Jules there's so 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 many artists you know and we had the scene in Switzerland with a lot of national DJs which were super big like crazy big like trans djs in the 90s were extremely big and then year 2000 onwards the house djs became pretty big and they all made a huge living out of it because you know 
Switzerland is small. You, you will play like three gigs a night, mm -hmm. <laughs> like five gigs a week, six gigs a week. Crazy, crazy, crazy. So those guys were my inspiration back then. I didn't have like, you know, all of those big, big, big uh, names. Um, you know, I, uh, at first um, I wasn't like um, um, Juan Atkins or Derek May or or um, uh, Carl Craig or Carl Cox and Sven Vett uh, fan. I was like, I loved a guy called Noise, mm -hmm. a guy called Gangsta, a guy called Marcy Gardo, Danny Koenig and uh, those were like big legends in Switzerland. Mm -hmm. So the, we had, um, culturally speaking, musically speaking, we had a lot of um, role models, but we didn't have a strong bond. Right, yeah. You know, for example, when people people always judge like, oh, the Swedish house mafia, EDM is shit, and EDM or commercial, but, but those guys in this world, like the EDM world, they support themselves like crazy. There is... Mm -hmm. Of course there is competition but i mean what i i know the guys from the swedish house mafia pretty well because i i used to book them uh, when they were basically um when they cost nothing mm -hmm. 15 years ago i paid them like a thousand bucks you know <laughs> and uh, and they all played house music and and, and quality house music and and then um, they became big because mm -hmm. they were united mm -hmm. you know and, and, and the swedish uh artists to help themselves yeah yeah maybe we would have much more international touring djs in switzerland if um, that would be the case as well in switzerland very long answer uh, i hope you didn't <laughs> no, that's fine that's the perfect answer i mean you know I, you can't argue with the fact that there has been a lot of success come out of switzerland as well so yeah you know who's to say it might have been even bigger if um you know, you were supporting each other in a different way. However, I think you kind of done all right um, without that by the looks of things, most of you. Um, I mean, you you know, you mentioned that. Um, was there ever a, a sense of kind of playing it safe? Did you ever feel like, okay, well, I might be doing really well in Switzerland. I can get all of these gigs um, and I can just stay in this area and I can be really successful just within this market. Or was the ambition to be like, actually, this is great, but I want to take it to the next level. When was that point where you were like, okay, I want to go from Switzerland to Europe to the world? Yeah, you, look, you have role models with uh, when it comes to positive things, but you also have role models when it comes to negative things. Mm -hmm. So so the guys in Switzerland were my role model because uh, those guys were like pioneers uh, for this kind of music in Switzerland, but they never got out of Switzerland. Mm. And, but they had huge potential. And um, I figure out I don't want to get old in Switzerland with my music. You know, I want to get old with my 9,000 cows in my village back in Switzerland, but I don't want to get old with my music in Switzerland because the world is big. And, you know, like, so um, I, I figured out I to get out of Switzerland, I have to start to produce my own kind of music. And I have to connect with international artists and labels and promoters. And uh, I have to start to make a name with my productions. And only, only then uh, I would um, hopefully start collecting some gigs internationally. Yeah. And when, when would you say that started to happen? That was maybe 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I, when I started to, uh, to, <laughs> to produce music with, uh, with loops. You know, like very, uh, uh, like super, like big, 
amateur style, um, chopping um, uh, loops from sample CDs and pretending to play chords and stuff like that. But you know, I've, I've learned it the way everybody learns to uh, to produce. And um, uh, and yeah, um, since I had you know, I every morning when I used to go to the distribution, you know, to the office, my day was basically like an A and R. Like listening to new promos and ordering a certain quantity, like you know, you would you would call the big distributor and he would play you all the news through the phone, and you would you know your ear would be so professionally trained that you could say, okay, I can sell a hundred of those records or five hundred or a thousand. So, yeah. um, so I pretty much got an ear for what could work mm-hmm. and what you know so and uh, um, that was also beneficial when it came to know the potential of your own productions and yeah. to who you you can send it yeah to which label and what what kind of came first for you was it a case of you were playing out and you were playing your own productions and you were seeing kind of what damage that did to a dance floor or was it someone else playing one of your tracks and you were like okay this is a really cool moment in my life <laughs> you know what it's I have a very weird um, relationship with my music. Mm-hmm. So I always think my music is not finished. I always think it would need more. Mm-hmm. And I always think everybody else does more amazing music than I do. <laughs> but, then when, but then when I started to, uh, to send music out to labels, I literally produced tracks because I, I thought this, this would fit on that label. Ah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luciano is going to love this track on Cadenza. No, Luciano didn't love this track on Cadenza. You know, oh, this guy is going to love this one on his label. No. <laughs> so this made me realize that everybody has a different ear. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I would send them music. I would think, okay, they will, they will never sign that track. And that was actually the track they would freak out and say, wow, I love this. I'm going to sign it straight away. Don't send it to anyone and don't send it to any DJ and no label. I'm going to take it. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, um, I, I always wanted to hear the feedback first mm-hmm. from an A&R label or from different uh, DJs who play the track to have the confidence to play it myself. Yeah. And to promote it, yeah, always still today, still today. And it's so weird because I'm so manipulated because I, for example, I, 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 I go to a club or a festival and, and, and someone plays one of my tracks. I go like, wow, this went off. Like, it was, I have to start playing it again. <laughs> I didn't play, you know. Yeah, very weird. Yeah, very weird. That is weird. It's interesting. When normally you should be the first one promoting your music to the fullest <laughs> and literally play it everywhere, even if it doesn't fit don't care you have to play it out everybody has to listen to it yeah it's uh, it's interesting we've spoken obviously to a lot of djs and producers on this podcast and it's interesting the journey some people will go through with their tracks some people will be like i'm not going to trust it until i've road tested it myself loads and loads on a dance floor or other people i think anya schneider was like especially in um, lockdown she was like she was just playing tracks to her husband in a flat in berlin (laughs) was just like do you think this works yeah let's go for it um and it's it's also interesting you say as well about it never being finished we spoke to a few people as well that are like because there's almost infinite choice with a studio and production wise now and so many tracks you can lay into something you know when having that quality control or having that feeling 
of actually when's the time to actually actually put it to one side and get it out. It's a really hard decision to make, I'd imagine. Yeah, and you know, I was fortunate enough to have um, my uh, one of my studios in the basement of our club at Nordstern in Basel. And, um, you know, we would we still book um, uh, all the names you, you may know. And, um, and uh, some of them, um, my closer friends, they would, uh, you know, take time uh, back then and and after the gig coming down to the studio and listen to my music and you know and one thing which uh, I still remember and which stayed with me and probably forever was like I was a huge fan back then and still am you know, still I am still a big fan of him it's Martin Butrich mm-hmm. and I was like okay Martin and we were in the studio and okay Martin my my music sounds like shit I want to sound like you you're like how did you do this and why it doesn't sound does does it sound so fat uh, when i listen to your music on on my speakers and when i play my tracks they sound like i don't know and he was like look every chef has like his 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 own sauce like his own recipes his own uh, you know his own machines his own so you you can never sound as fat as someone else but you can sound as fat as yourself so, mm. so um, uh, you know simple but effective advice <laughs> absolutely don't be like like someone else like you can you can um, look up to other artists but don't pretend to become as good as they are mm. or you know or be like them ultimately you are yourself like you are you and be inspired by someone but just take that inspiration to give yourself truth yeah exactly. cool um right you're in ibiza right now um and you know we talked just before we start recording that you know it's going to be your base for a bit um you don't want to talk about you know you're an absolute legend on the island um but take like scaling that back <laughs> he's pulling a face scaling that back to when you're when you first arrived in ibiza around about was it 2004 time at space um i mean had you been to, yeah had you been to ibiza before then did it have a, any meaning to you or a reputation or what were your feelings when you first arrived on the island? Okay, so for me, Ibiza was the epicenter of the world. Like was literally, ah, oh, Ibiza, you know, it's like uh, for me, it was like, uh, it still is paradise. So, but I'm, you know, I'm born and raised in Switzerland, but, um, you know, I'm Italian, but born and raised in Switzerland. So my Italian, the, the Italian part of myself is very proud. Mm-hmm. So I said to myself, I will never go to Ibiza before I have a gig. <laughs> so um, so I, if I go to Ibiza, it's because I play in Ibiza. No matter if I play in the toilet of a restaurant or in a club, but I want to play. Like, you know, it was like a target, mm-hmm. like one of my goals. And as well, I was super lucky to, um, you know, I organized a party in Switzerland called Embevel Space, which I played for in Switzerland. And the promoter um, was like, oh, the music was amazing and blah, blah. I'm going to invite you to Ibiza. I didn't believe it, but he really did. So um, my first time I played in Ibiza was 2004 or 2005. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know what to expect. I just knew, okay, Ibiza is like every big DJ is playing there. Sun, fun, parties all over the places. 
beach day parties, night after hours, uh, like literally everything. I didn't know what to expect. I uh, but I remember it as it was this morning. Like I landed in Ibiza, I was like, it was super hot. It was the it was on a on a Sunday, and I played on Wednesday, mm-hmm. and I couldn't sleep till Wednesday. And then Wednesday morning at six, I woke up, and at seven the party started at space. And I played the, it's insane. I played the Space Terrace, which was the church. Mm-hmm. It was like the holy place on the island. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, to go from that to, it's kind of changed in that time, hasn't it? Obviously, space is no more. We've seen things like Ashwire and Hive come in and they these huge, huge spaces now and something like ants that obviously you're really closely associated with um how has that dynamic changed from something like the space terrace which could sometimes be quite you know ramshackle freewheeling you know anything goes to something like ants at Ashwaya, which is this huge pool party space that is almost purpose-built for an outdoor day night party how do you find mm-hmm. the difference between the two you know the, like i consider myself old I'm not. I'm just 40. <laughs> no, but, you know, um, sometimes, even myself, I tend to go like, oh, back in the days, everything was different. Everything was better. But that's like a, that's just like a romantic, romantic uh, perception mm-hmm. of the past. I mean, the whole market, the, uh, the whole industry changed dramatically. The whole crowd changed. Um, you know, if in the 90s, People were on certain drugs. Today, they are they are on different drugs. If in the 90s they would go out and party for a week, today they go out and party once a month, mm-hmm. two times a year, or whatever. Um, if back in the days they were traveling from rave to rave, um, now they come to Ibiza and maybe they don't want to party for 48 hours, but maybe they want to, you know. They want to have their space at the table and they want to enjoy a party. And maybe after the party, they want to go and have dinner. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to eat. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so, totally. um, uh, they don't want to get, you know, they don't want to get uh, hammered. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. And, and everything changed. You know, clubbing became so much cleaner, mm-hmm. which means it, it's, you can still find parties and clubs which, um, are crazy as it used to be, but electronic music, especially house, techno, and all the subgenres you want to mention, or, or or this industry created for no reason, deep, progressive, whatever, um, Afro, blah blah blah, it became very mainstream. Mm. And you know, back when I started, uh, um, and I told I want to be, I told people I want to become a DJ. They were like, "You freaking nuts! What DJ? What?" You know, and then <laughs> what you can what you can make a living out of it? Crazy, impossible. What you earn more money than your dad? You're crazy. <laughs> You're only 18. Impossible. What we're teaching? But now, mm. you know, even uh, my parents know that DJs are like I don't know half of rock stars. Still not rock stars, but you know, like some kind of. Yeah, and oh, David Guetta, TV, you know, massive, massive hits in the radio and 
dominating the charts worldwide, everything is different. So mm. of course you can't compare space back in the days with Ushuaia now, mm. but what you can compare, what, what Ushuaia brought to, to the island is, if this island became a spot for, like back in the days, of course, it was a hippie island. Mm -hmm. And and now it's a hype, a very hip, not a hippie island, but a hip island. Mm -hmm. There's not so much hippie vibe on the island, but, you know, a little bit, but not what it used to be. So they adapted to the current situation mm -hmm. and they said, how can I build a proper club where I can fit the philosophy of the island, which is partying under blue sky in the sun, having keeping that vibe, but delivering delivering um, uh, the highest quality possible, where we want people to have an experience, not just a party, mm -hmm. where we want to have people have to buy a drink, but the glasses have to be clean. <laughs> people want to go to the toilet and the toilets are clean yeah. the toilets if you know um, uh, um i i remember um i don't name i, I don't want to name the club but, but but that was that was a that was like um fashion back then uh, you were thirsty in the toilet you would take like a sip of water from uh, tap water and it was like salt water mm. just because they wanted you to buy a 10 euros bottle of water mm -hmm. this didn't exist this uh, you know um, it, it Ushuaia didn't invented that kind of philosophy this was on the island already when i came here like 20 years ago mm -hmm. so uh, or you know 17 18 years 19 years ago. so um, uh, i think Ushuaia just gave an experience to to uh, the party like el Ro gives an experience to um, uh, um, uh, a brand mm -hmm. and and, and Anne tries to give have an identity and give an experience to people with a certain trademark, mm -hmm. you know. Easy Ten is not is also not um, dancing dancing on the sand like it used to be. Mm -hmm. Now you have a couple of thousand people there. It's not yeah. like you and three hundred techno heads. Yeah. So it's uh, you can't compare. You mm. can't compare two worlds because it's two different eras. Yeah, that's a very good point. You can't compare uh, Pele and and Maradona <laughs> to the players we have now. You know, it's impossible. You, you know, Paul gets gets going. It, it doesn't exist. <laughs> Absolutely no, no. You've nailed it totally. And uh... how would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, you know, just to look at the look at something like ants in the context of like the modern clubbing experience. You know, there's pyrotechnics, there's all these things going on on stage, and you you as a DJ, you're trying to have to manage that as well, with, like totally live. Like, how much preparation do you put into a set that you know where something like pyrotechnics are going to be involved? Do you have a sense of what track you're going to play that's going to like unleash the cannons or how does that kind of work from behind the decks? You know, first of all, when we started ANS 10 years ago, I, um, how you say, like I left Cadenza mm-hmm. and, and um, cause I wanted to grow, you know, I wanted to stand on my feet and I wanted to have also to have a label, a brand and, and being involved in, 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 in the, uh, in the process of building a brand. And everybody told me, you're crazy. You're going to Shuaia. It's not going to work. It's um, what are you doing? You just ruined your career. Um, it's never going to work. People are going to laugh at you and whatever. This is what made me realize that you really have to go mm-hmm. for your gut feelings, mm-hmm. for your goals. You know, you can dream about something and go for it. Literally, sky is the limit. And and ants, you know, since I was there from the beginning, since I um, uh, was the first DJ uh, they booked, and you know, and I gave I gave my musical a, a certain trademark to the brand as well, you know, certain direction musically speaking, you know. So the guy who does the pyro and all the lights and everything, he knows he knows me and my music like he knows himself. So, you know, it's like it goes hand in hand. Yeah. So um, there is there is literally no preparation at all. If if you go too meta- mathematical mm-hmm. on on uh, doing DJ sets, you're gonna lose a certain momentum. First, maybe it can bore you quite easily, and you don't appreciate like uh, what's uh, What's happening right now? You know, you play in front of ten thousand people. You're on the island of Ibiza, and you know it's like so. You need some aha moments, some you know, some epic moments, and you create those moments only if you go freestyle. Mm. If you prepare everything, if you it's everything is mathematical, it's not you're not gonna have those moments. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like talk to an EDM DJ, which has like his music programmed on the light show and on. On, on the fireworks and everything, he would switch the, the experience with myself. And to be honest, I would switch his fee with my fee. <laughs> <laughs> you 
you know, and that's the only thing I would switch because you can create those moments only if you're not in a, in, 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 in a, in a mathematical routine set by set, you know, yeah. Yeah. a guy who tours with an EDM DJ and does the lights, he can tell you, okay, what is it? 1 a.m.? At 1 a.m. and three minutes, he's got, uh, this is going to happen. This is going to happen at t- 10 past, at half, at, you know. Yeah, there's no excitement in that for, for you as a performer. Yeah, of course, with, with the time, you you know what's working at Ushuaia. Mm-hmm. You know, and if you want to, if you think like, okay, I went a little bit too experimental, I have to catch the people again, you know exactly, okay, I'm going to throw in this track. It's going to be a lifesaver. And I'm, I'm not too proud of doing that from time to time because um, uh, it saved me a couple of times. <laughs> you, come back from a, you come back from a tour with where you played only grooves and you played very deep and then you want to do the same thing on a big stage like Ushuaia and then you're like, after 15 minutes, you're like, you know, you're not Ricardo Villalobos. People are not here 100% for you. People are here to have fun and... Yeah give them some some fun so sometimes i throw in some all-time classics and they love it and and i give them a moment to go back where they come from and tell their friends oh and then he played knights of the jaguar and the place was freaking out and and you know and i do this because i want to you know uh, yeah Strings of life, uh, they freak <laughs> out. I have people telling me, oh, I was in Adushuaia 10, 9, 8 years ago and you played that track, it really changed my life. <laughs> Exaggerated, but, you know, you touched a certain nerve. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, thinking about the, the people on the bill that you're playing with sometimes, you know, it can be a real breadth of um talent people like Richie Horton or Steve Lawler you know they play like different kind of styles and obviously you've we've already talked about the kind of training you've given yourself in being able to warm up um for for big huge stars when you're playing now and you've got someone like Richie Horton on the bill are you thinking about I've got to change my style a bit to compensate for what he might deliver or are you like I'm just gonna go for my sound oh Look, even I, I, there was times where I played big festivals in between of Richie Horton and Carl Cox, mm-hmm. and I knew I, 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 I need to kill it, or they, they both eat me for breakfast, you know. So I can't look left and right, and also for the crowd, they, they can't listen to Carl Cox destroying it. Then I come and then uh, it's like flat and then Richie Orton comes and destroys the place again. So um, uh, you also need to to look a bit for yourself at a, at a certain stage, yeah. you know. But um, I can tell you if I invite artists to Switzerland, for example, now, you know, um, I come from uh, a party I have played um, two days ago with Marcel Plex and of course, um, we ended up playing back to back, but um, I'm in my hometown. We invite guests, so I give him the spot, mm-hmm. and then uh, we jump, we jump uh, on the on the decks together, and then we have the spot together, and we kid it together. So, but there, if maybe you know, I'm I'm on the lineup with very very big names, and 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 I know um, 
80% of the crowd came to see him and maybe only 20% of the crowd came to see me, I can't go full house if I'm on the lineup with Richie Horton, for example. Yeah. I have to go more. But I'm a very, I'm a very diverse DJ and I'm super proud of it. I mean, until three, four, until maybe four or five years ago, I think I was the only DJ in the world who played Panorama Bar, which is considered as one of the most exotic underground clubs in the world. Mm-hmm. And Ushuaia, which is the, the, the mainstream uh, location in Ibiza. Mm. You know what I want to say? Like, there is no DJ who plays. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, it's being diverse. Of course, now I don't play uh, Panorama Bar uh, again because, um, you know, um, they have also a certain philosophy that I play all over the world and I play a lot of underground clubs and then I play a lot of big uh, commercial uh, mainstream festivals. Yeah, I'm very diverse. Yeah, and to have that balance, to maintain that credibility with that balance between underground and popularity as well, it's a very difficult line to to straddle. And you're in that groove, I think. What's paying you back is where the places that you're playing. If you're yeah. playing at Panorama Bar or you know huge festivals, this is this is the thing that's that's good. Look, our scene is um, the like we get judged a lot, and it's and it's crazy how you can build a career by maybe you you know you can okay let's say you're you play very bad two hours in a club and you post a video of 20 seconds of glory and people think like the guy is smashing it mm. Whoa, i saw a video of that place Whoa, amazing okay so only maybe 500 people in the club they say like okay there was like a moment of five minutes it was good but one hour, 55 minutes was very bad. So people judge from what they see on social media. You can build careers out of it. And now uh, there is like a thing of uh, being like an entertainer also on social media. You have to be funny, you have to be this, you have to be this, you have to be this. And you can really create like a, a certain aura outside your, your, your profile. Mm-hmm. And, and, and people buy it. People, you know, people just buy it. And then you have, uh, you, you maybe get into a, a space where people judge you by, by only by the music, by the releases, by the production, by um, uh, the, the, your uh, entourage, mm-hmm. you know, by, by, by the DJs you are your friends with. And then you, you play it cool and people go like, okay, that guy is cool. And then you build a career out of coolness or you're a guy who am... Uh, um, tries to diss everything and everybody and this is shit and this is bad and this is not good and this guy and EDM is bad and this guy is commercial and this guy is on you know so and I honestly don't know where to fit mm-hmm. I don't like to be very funny on social media because I don't like to see myself on video I don't like my voice um, for example when I hear the podcast um, you know when you when you when you when you when you um, when you when we were all were a little bit younger, we were looking at talk shows, mm-hmm. and 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 you you were ashamed because people were going, to, you know, are on television talking about private things, and you know you could like oh I have to zap I have to you know I have to watch something else because because it's awkward, and I have this when I see my face on camera or I listen to my voice. 
So, so I can't be funny. I can't be very crazy on social media. So I have to do everything I do. I have to score with my music. Mm -hmm. This is it. Yeah. So I build my career out of that. Yeah. Let your music do the talking. That's why I, I might not be the hypest DJ um, on earth, but I know I can, I can hold a certain level by delivering a certain quality and only giving my best when I go out and play clubs or festivals with the philosophy of reading the moment, reading the crowd, reading the situation, knowing where you are and giving people what they might need in this specific, in this specific moment, but also surprise them. That's a good formula. So this is how, this is how I survive in this industry. That is great. It's, and you, it's like, it's good to have that kind of almost humble approach to it and not be like, oh, I am this big ego, you know, I'm here. And at the end of the day, you're entertaining and you're wanting to give people a good time. And you're taking note of that rather than being like, this is more about me than the crowd. Because people are going to judge anyway. People are going to make their mind anyway. People, uh, you know, people like pineapple on the pizza and uh i will judge you if you have pineapple on your pizza <laughs> fine it's fine yeah, even me as an italian i don't judge so if i don't judge italian it's fine it's fine cool i'm kidding uh right um let's talk about your your next project uh well your, your new project all i need um yeah it's um it's really multifaceted um you know you pump your fist pumping right now we're talking about it i mean it takes in a record label, you know, you've got an events wing, a fashion line coming in. I mean, take us through what the thinking is behind this. What's the ambition for it? So the goal to have an uh, own label goes way back, you know, uh, own music label, like your record label, mm. like literally your own label. No sending promos out or uh, demos and hoping <laughs> that uh, someone is going to sign, you know. And then also I, w I wanted to have a label because I'm going to shock people because I'm going to go super melodic. I'm going to go techno. I'm going to go house. You know, we have, um, you know, I have remixes on the label of uh, Kevin Saunderson, which is my my god, mm -hmm. you know. Kevin Saunderson, um, D-Tron. Uh, you know, collaborations with with, with, with with some of my friends, with, with people I used to look up to and, and you know. Um, uh, so it's really, it's something, having a label also coming from the distribution and record store background, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's almost like you would close a circle. Mm -hmm. But having a label too early in your career means if you want to have a proper label that you have to outsource it and give it to someone who handles it. Mm -hmm. And that someone who handles it is never gonna give a cert that certain touch you need for your own label than yourself. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I will go like, okay, I really need a label now. And then I was like, okay, no, 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 you know, let's plan it properly. And we, I do it when the time is right. Mm -hmm. And throughout all those years, I met so many people working in fashion. I, 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 um, you know, I used to throw a lot of parties back in Switzerland. We have a club in Switzerland. Um, I'm involved in, a, in an international brand like Ants. Um, so of course, having a brand which is not only a record label, but also has like a touring mm -hmm. part in, in the project is gonna be beneficial when you, know, you want to help 
younger talents on your label. You take them on tour. You do like maybe 20, 25, 30 shows a year. You can give them like 15 gigs, which is amazing, you know. And um, a little bit what 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 uh, Loco Dice did with, with Desolat. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tini, Martin, Livian Robbie, Guti, all of those guys came out of Desolat's um, uh, world. And that was, was Dice. Mm-hmm. Luciano did the same with me with Cadenza. I mean, myself, Reboot. Um, uh, well, I should put myself as Reboot, Michel Kleis, uh, Mirko Loco, and all of the, and myself. <laughs> um, uh, um, uh, you know, we toured because there was Luciano with Cadenza who mm-hmm. gave a platform. So this is also something I've learned and I want to wanna be able to do in the future. And um, fashion came... Fashion, I can, I can honestly tell you, fashion is an idea. Um, well, I dress very regular. And, you know, I don't want to look like in a restaurant, like, okay, that guy is way too underdressed. I like fashion. And, and I, want, I, I want to create something which uh, a fashion line where I can travel all day mm-hmm. and then jump out of the flight and from the airport going straight on stage and I look good, <laughs> you know, I can travel with it. I look good. I can go straight to the meeting. I can go straight to the stage. I can, you know, mm-hmm. so uh, that was like the idea behind. Yeah. And I have a lot of, like I said, I, had a lo- I have a lot of friends who are designers for very big brands and people work in, in, in the fashion industry and they came up and, you know, so like, why we, you don't do collaborations with brands? We can do something with this brand, this brand. And I said, like, why we just don't do our own brand? Mm-hmm. So we have a collaboration with um, designers and, 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 and buyers and sellers for our fresh uh, fashion line. And, you know, we have a partner distributor for uh, our label and um, uh, a partner for our event uh, section. So, yeah, that's basically all I need. <laughs> awesome. I mean... That's incredible. And yeah, I can't wait to see what, you know, the immediate future holds. What's the most exciting thing on the horizon for this next? Is it an event or a fashion line or any releases you're particularly interested in talking about? Yes. What excites me most is, you know, we I've learned something from a marketing perspective. You know, we had um, uh, we were joking around, messing around with words, how we can, you know, ends and music is the answer. I used to play that Seleda, mm-hmm. uh, music is the answer, a cappella all the time. I made it a bit of a, a ends um, uh, trademark track. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, you know, music is the answer and blah, blah, blah. So with all I need, I didn't even think of a marketing campaign, mm-hmm. but now you have to go like you can communicate with the fundamentals you have the fundamentals i have and we have in all i need is we want to share the need of music the need of parking the need of dressing uh, the way we you know we like and 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 it's basically you know it's a it's also a statement and after being locked up at home for like two years, all we need is really uh, hugging each other again and, 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 you know, and consuming music and going out 
to parties, mm -hmm. you know. So I think um, uh, it's the right time to uh, to launch that brand. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm excited to see it. And yeah, it's great that we've got you just before, uh, you know, the cusp of it being all coming out. Yeah, you you look genuinely thrilled and excited to to be getting this off the ground. I am, I am. Excellent. And, you know, you mentioned as well, we have all technically been locked up almost for two years now. Um, you know, what, uh, what are your thoughts on how the scene's going to kind of adapt post-COVID? You know, do you think that... You know, we kind of touched on it as well earlier about um, Ibiza and, uh, you know, a kind of culture of, you know, it being very expensive. Way too expensive. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, sorry. No, don't worry. And, you know, do you think that um, because of what's happened with COVID, you know, people have got maybe less money or restrictions on travelling, you know, do you think there will be a reduction in prices in somewhere like Ibiza and or there'll be more smaller underground parties? Or do you think this trend will continue just upwards, bigger, better, more expensive type parties? You know what? I think um, uh, humans are not like animals because animals, they don't forget. It's crazy. Like they, um, uh, as literally, if they would say now the pandemic is over, tomorrow, everybody forgot about it. And everybody forgets about um, how important it is to support certain people, certain um, industries, certain situations, you know, mm -hmm. um, I think um, it's going to be, it's going to be super hard for like younger uh, DJs who were just right about to um, putting their feet into the whole thing, you know, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, as hard as it sounds, you know, and I'm not pessimistic person at all. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to see positive things in everything. But I think people are going to forget very easy and everything is going to be the same. Just we just we are going to be in a total um, in a total mess, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, because it's true. Because if if the pioneers in our industry and I'm talking about the biggest DJs, the biggest promoters, the biggest club owners, media and so on, if they don't sit all together and figure out how to um, make our world, our industry mm -hmm. better than before. Nothing is going to change. We're going to book the same DJs over and over again. Um, like I also did that brand and I have like, I, I produced like 60 tracks. My girlfriend hates me, hated me. I was never at home in the studio or somewhere else like, uh, you know, I sacrificed a lot, mm. but I want to give promoters a reason why they should book me again. I want to give a reason to my agent to focus on 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 myself. You know, so I think there's going to be a lot of people are going to um, are go are going to think they're going to wake up um, uh, from a nightmare and they step in the next nightmare because they were not at all productive. Mm. zero productive and they think okay i'm gonna i'm gonna be booked again 20 gigs a month but the industry is like this they're gonna book only people who sell tickets and that's the biggest ones and we know who the biggest ones are so <laughs> so it's gonna it's gonna it's i think this put us back like 10 15 years back mm. and all the big guys they they really should wake up and 
really invest in the future. I'm not the future. You know, I'm maybe here for the next 10 years, but the future of our scene are the younger generation. So you should start booking emerging talents. Yeah. Look, I can talk to you about this for the next 10 hours. <laughs> It's crazy. Um, uh, I just, I just hope that, you know, every, like there, it's, it's not going to be a reset mm. reset of what, because mm. Promoters are going to play it safe. Who's who's selling tickets? I'm going to book that guy. Who's, who, I don't care what um, uh, you liked uh, um, handmade pasta before, and you sold handmade pasta, and now you have to sell like uh, fast food, very cheap fast food, and people are going to buy it, and I survive. Okay, I'm going to buy. I'm going to sell cheap fast food. Hmm. I'm sorry to depress you. <laughs> I'm so sorry to depress you. But you know, I want. You're I, right, I, though. I you're right. That's what's mildly very, depressing really, about it. Yeah, you are right. You know, it's. A, it, I want to see things very realistic, and mm. and um, you you. I don't know. Like it's it's almost like the biggest clubs need to help the smallest clubs because who's going to survive in a city? Only the biggest club. Yeah. You're so right. Like small emerging clubs, small niche clubs. Mm -hmm. There has to be a way to get along together, but also support each other. It's going to be the key word in the future. Perfect. Yeah. And, you know, for, for you setting up your own label and that facility and that platform for to develop that emerging talent and give them the opportunity to be able to get things out there is, you know, what other agencies and clubs and things should be looking at. It's interesting as well that you say, I think there's a real good point about bigger clubs maybe having smaller niche club brands that could feed through to very good idea of course i mean if if you program like um, uh, three four nights a week uh, one night a week should be for local djs supporting local djs ibiza i, I mean you know you someone who listens to this podcast can say yeah but He's talking like this, he's privileged and he plays the biggest club, biggest crowds and blah, 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 blah. And it's easy for him to say that. I mean, I worked my ass off. I, you know, I, I, I went to dinners with other DJs. They didn't know me and they thought I would be the driver. I was like, no, no, I'm just the guy who plays like the first slot, you know, like, okay. I had to go through things, mm. you know, and to, to much worse things than sitting on a table with other DJs and they they would think like you're the driver but I mean and there's nothing wrong with being a driver but just to say like mm. you know, from an ego perspective of every human being you know you're a DJ like them as well mm. and then uh, what um, uh, ah, um, uh, you pick me up at 11 and you go like uh, what you pick me up at 11 and I'm like man but I'm not the driver like I you know are you a friend of the promoter no i'm dj i, I dj ah oh, what's your name and there you never here you know but i've now like um what i wanted to say is it's easy for me to say that but in ibiza there is no local i mean ibiza has a lot of local djs mm. they don't play any important clubs yeah you know local djs used to be a very big part of the game back in the days mm -hmm. like Base residence, Tanya Vulcano, DC10, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, all the Spanish residents, DJ Oliver uh, at Space, and then, you know, mm -hmm. but now they have to start from, from zero again. Yeah. From scratch. 
Well, let's hope for the future. Let's hope someone's listening to this and they'll they'll know. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Um, I mean, yeah, we've been talking for over an hour now. So it's fantastic. We've got this opportunity to really chat and really dig into your career. Um, uh, we always have one last question, which we always uh, wrap up on, and that is: We are house culture. And you are part of the scene and, you know, an indelible part of Ibiza, you know, played all over the world. What has the culture of the scene brought to you in your life? And, you know, how has it affected you? And where do you think you would be if this wasn't in your world? Everything, literally everything. Like this made me, you know, this, um, uh, uh, like everything. It made me stronger. It made me, uh, you know, I mean, you have to be... You know, you go through so many up and downs in your career that it can make you or break you. You have to be mentally fit. You know, I was looking at everybody like drinking from the bottle, selling that rock star life image. But I was like, at one point, damn, that's totally not me. Like, I can't handle all of this. Like, uh, so I'm doing sport. You know, I'm, it, 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 it opened my eyes. Like, um, uh, you know, um, ego, ego is a, is a big thing. Like, uh, you know, of course you want to, you know, I used to go to clubs, listen to the DJ and criticize everything and saying, why is he like, and, and literally creating a, a kind of hate towards the guy who was playing just because I wasn't there. And I thought, oh, I deserve it as well. Oh, I'm better. Oof. Very bad mix. Oh, very bad mix. Oof, this track doesn't fit here. Oh, damn, he's mixing melody into melody. What a shame. You know, like, so um, I can do this much better. But um, look, look be, behind every artist, there is a struggle. And behind every artist, there is work. And if you see someone standing on that stage, it's because he deserved it. Mm. And this kind of philosophy, you can adapt to your daily life. You know what I mean? How many times um, uh, I would go home and um, I wouldn't listen to uh, my, my, my mom, my parents. I was on the phone all the time. Oh, I'm busy, I'm busy. Oh, I have like 30 shows this, this month. Oh, I play every day. Oh, I'm so tired. And then I was like, nah, you're not the center of the world and you're freaking nobody. So what, what are you complaining exactly? You, know, you learn so much. Mm-hmm. You can adapt you know, in your social life, in your private life. That's why I'm seeing all of this pretty relaxed, you know, playing in front of oh, people were like, oh, wow, you played like, I don't know, 20,000 people. Oh, and you go, yeah. I mean, if I don't do it, someone else does it. <laughs> Maybe someone else did it even better than me. So uh, I'm just thankful and, and, and I appreciate every second I can be in the house culture world and I try to make the best out of it and enjoy it. That's the main thing. That's a brilliant place to to end up on. Yeah, no, that's perfect. That's um that's that's where we'll end, I think. So thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Nice one. That bye was bye. a good one. That was a good one. <laughs> Take care. Cheers, bye thank bye. you. Bye bye. House culture. Yes. That was certainly a good one, wasn't it? I really enjoyed chatting to Andrea and I hope you enjoyed listening to that. I must say a huge thanks to him and his team for getting us some time within his busy schedule. 
Wasn't it hilarious to hear how his mum used to have to give him a curfew when he was practicing behind the decks with his older mates? How times have changed. I thought there was also some great advice in there about finding your own sound and staying true to your own tastes in order to build a successful reputation. I hope some of you were taking notes. The new All I Need project that Andrea was so excited to talk about has recently launched with its debut single from the man himself. The track is called Final String and more than lives up to its name with its orchestral swells and emotional journey. I love it and cannot wait to hear it on a dance floor somewhere soon. And whilst we're talking about new beats to discover, the regular listeners amongst you might have noticed that we didn't get a chance to discuss Andrea's five track choices for our ever-growing House Culture Perfect playlist that you can find on Spotify. This epically eclectic selection of tunes has taken submissions from every single one of our previous podcast guests and Andrea did not want to miss out. So, for his catalyst, a track that originally got him into the scene, is of course the one with the message that we all know and love. Eddie Amador's enduring pian to the club house music. Andrea's choice for his floor filler sees the don that is Marco Carolla make his first appearance on the playlist with his rumbling track Bloody Cash. For some pure shoreside vibes, Andrea has gone with the stunning James Holden mix of Nathan Fake's The Sky Was Pink. A tearjerker that always fills Mr. Oliva with emotion is the timeless finally by Kings of Tomorrow. And finally, to finish us off, the crowd are asking for one more. What does he play as his last tune? He mentioned it in our chat. It is, of course, the outstanding Knights of the Jaguar by Underground Resistance's DJ Rolando. So if you want to immerse yourself in all of those stellar choices, plus a few others from our House Culture podcast family, search on Spotify for House Culture Perfect Playlist, stick it on shuffle and turn it up loud. Now with that as your soundtrack, please help support this podcast by loving, liking, tweeting, sharing and rating or reviewing us on Apple. We've had some fantastic feedback already. So if you say something good, it will not only help us to continue to create these episodes that you love listening to, also get you a shout out on a future episode this time around i'm pleased to shout out to rachel beasley who got in touch with me on instagram to say that she found my knowledge and experience within the scene inspiring and i also give a good interview apparently well rachel i don't really know what to say about that other than a sincere thank you it does put a smile on my face knowing that other listeners enjoy my passion for club culture and that you come away from each episode with a little bit more knowledge about the personalities that are shaping this scene for us happy punters. And if you want to join some of those other party goers from wherever you might be in the world right now, please hit up our Instagram feed at HouseCultureNet or follow the hashtag TrueHouseCulture. Not only will you be kept fully informed about the podcast, you'll also get connected with other beat lovers from across the globe. And finally... If you want to get in touch with me, Matt Rouse, you can do it directly on Instagram at DJ Matt Rouse. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and see you next time. House Culture. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. 
Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.